obviously because it's such a, a commitment. If somebody's uh, interested in research, um, I would definitely seek out some resources. I think uh, that would be, in my opinion, would be uh, find someone you trust within the uh, uh, universities, either through extension or someone that has maybe done the research before, especially that's critical, probably somebody that has done the research that can give you some valuable input about what are the, the key things you want to make sure you, you can do or will do or be able to do, uh, willing to do, um, and are your facilities capable of doing that or retrofitting to do that, and and just understand all the costs and everything before we just say, oh, we're going to build it, let's just start doing it, and then um, you know chase our tail afterwards and, and try and figure out how to make it work. Uh, I, I think you'll save yourselves a lot of headaches doing that are the, probably the key ones. Swine. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swine It Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like AB Vista, New nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. Eastman Animal Nutrition. Visit EASTMAN.com. Adiseo is a worldwide leader in animal nutrition, providing nutritional solutions and services which fuel predictable profits. Genesis, the first power in genetics. This episode's sponsored highlight is about Eastman Animal Nutrition. To feed the world's growing population, the animal production industry needs to grow in a sustainable manner. Eastman produces one of the broadest organic acid portfolios in the global market and offers customer-driven swine solutions. Learn more by visiting Animal Nutrition at EASTMAN.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swine It podcast. And with me today, I have Jean Gorley, who is president of the Gorley Research Group. Gene, how are you today? I'm good, thanks, Laura. Well, we're certainly glad to have you on today, Gene. Um, before we really kind of jump in at the topic of, of choice today, I'd like for you to maybe take a couple minutes and introduce yourself to the listeners. Sure. Uh, thanks, Laura. And yes, yeah, so um, fifth generation farmer. Uh, grew up here in Webster City, Iowa, so I'm basically 30 miles north of where Laura's recording right now uh, from us, from Ames, Iowa. So I um, have three brothers and a sister. Uh, my three brothers are active in the crop and livestock farm, and we have about uh, 3,000, uh, 4,000 crop acres that we farm, and then we have about 5,000 sows that we raise farrow to finish. And so I grew up on that farm. And then as, uh, was entering, uh, or finishing college actually at Iowa state. So it was in the mid eighties and that was the farm crisis in Iowa. So, uh, my parents sat me down and said, uh, you need to find, <laughs> find off farm work, uh, for a while until we can afford to have you come back to the, um, to the farm. So I was interviewing and I had a class I was taking at Iowa state and for my undergrad and, I uh, had a question for a, a gentleman called Gene Barrick, which was um, president of, of Swine Graphics at the time, uh, was just being created. And my family was working with Gene and Gene had a nutrition company he was managing. And so he uh, he said, I, I, my 
question was on uh, microscopy, actually, Laura, it was a class that was taught at Iowa State. So I <clears throat> was looking at different, we had to formulate some diets. And so I was doing that and taking the farm diets that we had from our family farm and uh, something wasn't matching up or we seemed to be really high in phosphorus, which we probably overfed phosphorus back in the day. This is all pre-phytase, which any of the listeners are going to say we had a lot of phosphorus in the diets. And so, uh, uh, yes, back then we did. But uh, so I called him and said, uh, yeah, something's wrong with the diets. And he said, uh, um, well, I don't know about that. But he said, what are you doing when you're done with school? So that's that started my interviewing with him. And he hired me to um, uh, come work at at the time, Swine Graphics. And uh, so I stayed there from basically 1986 through um, 2015, so almost 28 years I was with uh, Swine Graphics. And uh, in 89, I actually went back and did my master's degree there at Iowa State with um, in animal nutrition with Dr. Dean Zimmerman was my major professor. So um, uh, Dean, yep, I did my master's and then uh, continued to work as I was doing my master's with Swine Graphics and then coordinated the nutrition and research for Swine Graphics for that 28 years. So that's, and in 2015, uh, it was actually 2014. I'd moved over uh, on a consulting role with Swine Graphics and built my first research barn. I had conducted the research with Swine Graphics, obviously, for years, continued to manage that form in the nutrition, and then built my first research barn and saw a need for contract research with companies just through working at Swine Graphics. There was a, a desire for more research. And so my brothers were in need of, uh, my family was in need of some spaces uh, for. Uh, pig flow for some of our uh, sow farms. And so built my first green to finish barn actually in 2012 and started some contract research. And then I've kind of grown from there and have about 6,500 spaces of, of research barns and then uh, of wean to finish facility spaces. And then I have 2,600 uh, nursery spaces that we I uh, contract with my brothers as well. And my nephew-in-law owns the building and I run the research in it. And then uh, I've got another little barn that we do for some immune challenge is what I'll put them as uh, challenge studies that we have. And I know I've uh, worked uh, with you, Laura, on some contract trials and also worked with Dr. Nick Gobbler on some trials and Dr. John Patience and just about everybody at Iowa State, I think in one turn or another, have been through some trials with us. And uh, uh, also worked with K-State on a trial as well. And I think it was John's feed efficiency trial, actually. Um, um, was a trial we worked together. So, so that's where I'm today is, yep. Running the research facilities and still work with a family farm some, but they, yeah, prefer I stay away sometimes. So. <clears throat> yeah. So I think that's actually a really nice introduction, Gene, um, to yourself and, and where you've been. And, and I had met you over the years um, while I was in grad school and we were, I know kind of going back and forth, some of the colleagues were working on some data analysis with you and so forth. And then later we kind of reconnected as you were working on developing these research barns and facilities. And, and, um, and I think it's really kind of interesting, especially as we think about some of our producers that might be listening to this, who have always had a desire to better understand the products that they are either feeding to the pigs or adding into the barns in some way, shape, or form, and have probably considered themselves of setting up research facilities or operations or trials. And, and so let's really start there maybe um, from your perspectives. 
what's been the value of doing these research facilities for yourself or potentially for your family if you do projects internally? Um, I think some of the challenges or, or some of the first steps would be what's what, what are we trying to learn? Um, from the trials, what are they feeding trials? Are they um, just uh, are genetics vaccine? And maybe they've got all of the above. They want to try and uh, be able to do everything or capture everything. And I guess um, that's how I'll go about it. I guess for that, if and then part of it is the weighing of the animals, right? That that seems to be the challenge of um, of some of this and the feeding, obviously. Sorry. So there's there's several steps there. So and the weighing side of it, I think. We, we've retrofitted uh, some barns. Um, usually you have to come in and retrofit the gate. So if you're coming in and you know you got to replace the gating, maybe that's a good time that you say, okay, this is a facility that's still in good shape, but we want to um, turn this one into research. So if we're going to regate it, then that's the time to put in some wider hallways, uh, possibly for running uh, pigs to the scale, wherever you're going to put a, a pin scale in the barn. Um, in mine, I've, I've had this, the, the barns where we had pigs jump up on a scale, never a fan of those, uh, pigs, uh, little pigs typically to feeder pig or a little bit after don't care a whole lot uh, to jump up on something. But when they get a little bigger, I know uh, uh, big animals can be a little more uh, challenging to uh, move to get to jump up on a scale. They don't necessarily like to when they get bigger. And so that becomes a, almost a welfare issue, actually, when you're trying to get pigs onto a scale and they don't want to go. Um, and people can maybe design ramps that are better than me, but uh, we always had them jumping up on a little lip and they just didn't like it much. But so all mine are in slat basically and that that almost takes a new design right if you're building a facility then then you can incorporate that into the slats and have it actually floor level uh, i've got slats across mine where pigs don't even know they're running on the scale it's just part of their uh, pin surface and area is no different so um so that's one is probably trying to think through how you're going to weigh the animals um if you're just doing a weight in weight out you know it's probably not as big a deal but um if you're going to do true trials where you're going to do some uh, growth rate things, nutrition type studies. Typically, they're they're wanting some middle weights or time periods where you can kind of see in different periods of the animal's growth, and maybe it's uh, certain areas that are using different things that you want to know. You, you probably need to take those intermediate weights. So that's one. And then the feed system, as you know, uh, Laura's a big challenge is how do you um, if you're if you're thinking about hand feeding them, I'd, I'd really shake my head and say, been there, done that. And you probably won't like it uh, uh, after you do it. But um, so the feed system's the next and there's not a lot of options out there um, uh, left anymore. Uh, I think uh, feed logic might still be around. I know maybe some parts or some things they've been trying to do. I know some companies still using that equipment. So I know it's, uh, some folks are still using it. Um, the, uh, big Dutchman's probably been the biggest, uh, company that I, that I know of that's been doing a lot of the, um, research barns that I've heard of. And that's, uh, uh where they have a feed kitchen, so to speak, to, uh, capture the feed from the bulk bins. And then that weighs it into a, a hopper basically that's mixing it as well, or can mix it and then, uh, delivers it via chain disc to, uh, each feeder and then has air system and, and a valve. So that's, uh, none of this I would say is inexpensive. So if anybody really wants to get into it, um, I'd say the buildings have been around, and I know prices have changed. I haven't priced one here recently, but let's just say we're going to spend a million dollars on a uh, uh, 
2,600 head facility, um, you're probably looking at least a good half million in addition to maybe even more than that now to uh, truly put in the scales, the extra gating, the extra feeders, the um, feed system and everything is going to be easily a half million dollars to uh, install that. So um, that's my sale to the various companies that want trials run is this stuff's not free. And and, and I think they realize that. Um, so, um, yeah, so that's kind of the things there. Yeah, no, and I agree. And I think you hit the nail on the head, right? We've There's definitely expense, the gating, the feed system, even the extra bins outside. If you're going to run different diets, if you're, if you're interested in feed additives and those types of things, and, and certainly you're absolutely right. We're going to be weighing pigs. We've got to have scales because most of us want to know at the end of the day, what feed efficiency was or you know how much faster do they get to market kind of situation. And so those are all critical things you can't really give up when you're thinking about a research facility. Um, what about labor? We haven't really talked that I was just, yeah. I was just going to say, I was, I was going to put it. So a couple of things we need to talk about is pig flow, uh, would be one. Um, the labor obviously is the key one. And so I'd mentioned my, uh, uh the 6,600 spaces plus the 2,600 of, uh, nursery spaces. So I've got, uh, two full-time employees and then one part-time employee. So if, if people put the numbers to that, that's, they'd say I'm way overstaffed for what you would need to do chores. Um, but it's, it's all the other detail of, the data entry, the um, data collection, the weighing of the pigs, the the daily chores, the individual injections of, you know, keeping track of that stuff, um, all very labor intense. And so if somebody thinks, oh, I'll build it and then we'll, we'll just have our normal management run it, as we know, that's, that's, doesn't work very well. So um, I definitely suggest that they they reach out to uh, hopefully one of the uh, university extension or somebody that would have some uh, past history with doing some of those things that could help them on the design as well as talk to them about the labor portion of it, of what that's going to take. And maybe it's somebody that's within their shop, but uh, you know, I know there's a lot of grad students, uh, and I shouldn't say a lot, uh, grad students are in high demand, as you know, Laura. And so, um, but those folks know how to run and conduct research because they've been there, done that. And so it's kind of a unique, uh, position on what you need to do there and knowing how to run those trials, or you work with a university to help you, you know, with, uh, they would be interested in collaborating with you to run those trials and, and work out an agreement to have them. Um, uh, yes, they may want to do some specific trials for the university, but potentially there's some, some win-wins where, uh, uh, you know, you can do some product or genetics or amino acids or, um, whatever nutrition studies they might be. And so that'd be another route if somebody's considering it to maybe look that way. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you, you kind of alluded to that too. Some of the people that you have on staff are skilled. Um, you have some individuals that have an advanced degree for that reason, right, to help set trials up. And and I think that is something, particularly for our small farmers, they may not have the ability to invest in, in all the staffing. And so they need to find those people that they consult with um, because at the end of the day, we still have to analyze that data. It's great to capture it, but how do we analyze it? and and probably people aren't quite skilled to really put the pen to the paper and, and really look at it from a repeatability standpoint, right? If I'm going to invest a dollar in this feed additive, what's my return on investment going to be consistently? And so um, how did you kind of manage some of that 
um, or even still today, how do you manage some of that? Yeah. So, I mean, on the statistics side and, and analysis side, um, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, I actually job all that out now. So I, I utilize um, grad students essentially at Iowa State have been helping me with um, statistics because honestly, uh, statistics, I don't want to say it's necessarily changed per se, but it has from the standpoint of, of the technologies and the um, um, capabilities of how you have to analyze data now. And so uh, I, it's just one thing that I have not kept up with on the statistics and it's kind of an area where uh, it's just easier to hire it or um, pay someone to do that. Now, when I provide the data to them, that to me is the point you're talking about with that staff of making sure the data. So I provide everything to the grad student that is in an Excel format by pen, um, cleaned up and ready to go, so to speak. And, and maybe you'd have somebody help you do that at the university. But most times it takes boots on the ground that understand where that pig go. You know, we're missing a pig here. We need to look up, oh, we wrote it on this weight sheet instead of on the off test sheet. And so there's just simple things that um, can drive you nuts sometimes from a data entry standpoint, but it's really that cleanup. And that's where the person that just has been there with the university and understood and done trials that kind of know some of that process. And that's the things that, that I think could be a challenge for somebody if they don't have that that quality staff to help them out. And I think one of the other things I'm hearing you say too, at least if I were a producer, you know, I'm still probably kind of in that sticker shock mode of a $1.5 million facility. And you go, boy, I should, should really get some great ROIs. And I think it's important to remind people that not every trial you do through a facility is going to be a positive result. Um, in fact, a lot of the studies I do, I, it might be a non-result. Um, and so how do you help justify that value? Because there is value, right? So how do you justify that? And, and so, I mean, excellent point, Laura. And that's exactly what Dr. Al Lehman, when we went, went about it, um, was he said, I bet or I feel we will learn as much or more about the things we shouldn't do versus the things we think we should do and or the products we think we should use. And and that's not a hit on the companies out there. There's a lot of good products and, and things that we're using from companies. And it's just finding the right ones that work within your operation, within your uh, pig flow, your genetics, your health. I mean, facilities, there's just so many things that impact how products work and, and how they succeed on farms. And so, um, uh, that was kind of the ROI that we came back with was that we know not everything is going to work. Um, and so, but part of it was if we decide to ignore that stuff and just put the product in, that was hitting the bottom line as well, right? You, you're in, And it may not be working. Now you're spending money on something, you know, it could be a dollar a pig or a dollar 50 or even Lord forbid more than that. But, um, you know, when you start looking at genetic stuff, you've got, you know, selecting the wrong bore line could be extremely expensive long-term. So um, I think those things we felt uh, knowing what not to do created more revenue for us, so to speak, than the things that we found that we do need to be adding in. So, um, so that's, yeah, if, if you go into the CEO and say, yep, uh, we're going to just justify this by what we can use for products. Uh, I think that's wrong. It's, it's trying to figure out what we, um, how we need to adjust programs, feeding programs, uh, whether it be then genetics, whether it be nutritional products, vaccines, um, all those things I think would, would be, uh, hit the bottom line on knowing whether or not we should be using them. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah. And then I guess kind of my other question here is you, you've talked a bit about, 
you know, some of the, the items that we should be considering. But if you really think back on some of your experiences, what would be some common pitfalls or, or things that you would tell people to make sure that they're absolutely avoiding when they handle research? Yeah, um, it's a good point. There's one that's come up and I've asked several people and, it, and it's one that uh, I think escapes us sometimes. And, and so at Swine Graphics, uh, back uh, when we were conducting research, we had our sow farms that would hold uh, pigs at the farm for a few days and then um, uh, would have some fresh wean pigs that would come with those two. And our, our goal was from a biosecurity, we were trying to go to the farm once a week. And so um, that was our goal. And so to do that, it made a little bit of a challenge for research. Uh, it was nice because I got the 1300 pigs or whatever I needed to set up the trial. But I found quickly, if I didn't have them load on the truck, the um, uh, held pigs versus the fresh and keep them separated, uh, we noticed a total difference in the way those pigs started, started on feed. And so I asked people, if you're going to buy pigs to put in a research facility, I would, especially wieners, I would, I'm not sure it's a big deal with feeder pigs at that point, but for uh, wean pigs definitely um, would be to understand your sow source. And even if it's your own sow source, sometimes product, the finishing side isn't always talking to the sow side. Sow side doesn't really know, okay, what's going on? I'm sending them 1,300 pigs. They're getting what I've got either in the holding room or fresh off the sows. Uh, not worried about keeping them separate. Whereas the thing we learned at Swine Graphics was I, I needed those identified and kept separate. And now the question is in the trials, would we run those separate of each other? You know, um, depending on the trial we were looking at, but 90% of the time, I'd say I blended them equally uh, within pins, whatever that ratio was that the farm sent to me, um, because I noticed those that had been held had kind of been through the stress of weaning and knew where to go to get water, where to go get feed. And even, you know, a couple of days on the South farm was amazing how those pigs had um, transitioned so much better than the fresh pigs that are coming in saying, what the heck just happened to me? Where's mom? I'm hungry, but you know, I'm tired. I'm gonna go lay down. And you got others that are kind of showing them the way to the feeder, to the water. And I think that actually is a quite uh, interesting uh, work or, or research that uh, for someone doing it, if they're going to do wean to finish or even nursery research, um, need to be aware of what's being sent to them from their own farm or from a contract or a farm that they're buying pigs from. So hopefully they can find that information uh, from the farm and they're willing to work with them on um, what they send them. So um, other than that, um, yeah, probably wean age on some of it uh, uh, can be important depending on the sow farm and the size. You know, if the if that varied and all of a sudden you're getting uh, one group is coming to you, even if they're fresh wean and you got a, a wider age spread in there, um, knowing kind of we, we would go down if they were two further than two days spread on an age, we'd try and keep those separate. Um, so that I could end up again commingling those in the same pens, or it, depending on the trial, if we wanted to look at age, we'd try and separate them out. But that, as you know, becomes even more challenges of replication and, and um, doing those studies. But that can be a challenge too, is just understanding wean age. Um, and then, yeah, probably the biggest ones on on nursery studies. Um, Health status is probably the other one, just kind of what's going on, what are we going to see when the pigs get there, uh, especially when you're doing, you know, early starter diet type things. Are these pigs coming in with a with a health challenge and all of a sudden they don't even want to get up and eat? So now are we really finding out the information we want from that diet when we don't 
you know, we're having struggles getting them started on feed period. Um, so knowing that, uh, and sometimes that might be what vaccinations are being given, um, you know, and what, you know, how hard that's potentially hitting them coming in the door. Um, and then the, the, yeah, are they, uh, have any other kind of issues, health challenges going on in the Farrowin house at the time you get pigs. So those are the, yeah, there's probably some others that I'll have to think about, you know, you live those things and you forget some of that stuff or it just becomes second nature. But, uh, so. Absolutely. Well, I think you hit the big one on the head though, health challenge, right? Anytime we do a research project, we have in this, in our mind that it's going to be perfect and the pigs are going to always stay healthy. And, and that's not real world, right? We're dealing with a biological animal. The farm could break with flu the day before we get the pigs. We could get hers in the middle of a trial. Um, and I think it's important to remind producers that even in those, as you've mentioned, even in those moments, there are learning opportunities and um, it's real world, right? It's what we're going to see in our barns at some point again. And it's important to just remember that and still take that data and use it in a way that might provide some other value. Yep. So, um, if you get, please. you know, if we had, uh, um, if it was coming from our own source flow, we were trying to understand what that sow farm, we would start checking with the production staff that had been getting pigs from that flow for a period of time saying, what are you, what are you running into? How are the pigs starting? Um, you know, are you on, on a normal basis out in production to kind of know what was coming at us to, to give us a little heads up of, we might have to work a little harder with this group or pay a little more attention. Um, as I was purchasing genetics uh, or purchasing pigs, sorry, the genetics mattered. Um, it was interesting how certain genetics would start on feed differently than other genetics. And some we need to go up and get up quite often just to get them up and get them to try and investigate, um, just start a little harder than others. And so I think it's important if it's their own production or they're, they're getting the same production over and over again, they'll, they'll know kind of what that is. But uh, if like I did on a few um, fills and turns of research barns, they had a different source. And so uh, definitely uh, needed to be aware of what was going on uh, with, with different source genetics. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Gene, I really enjoyed our conversation, but I see our time's really about up. So before we jump over to those infamous three questions, um, are there any key points that you'd like to just summarize for our audience today around doing research in your own facilities? Yeah, um, probably, uh, obviously, because it's such a, a commitment. If somebody's uh, interested in research, um, I would definitely seek out some resources. I think uh, that would be, in my opinion, would be uh, find someone you trust within the uh, uh universities, either through extension or someone that has maybe done the research before, especially that's critical, probably somebody that has done the research that can give you some valuable input about what are the, the key things you want to make sure you, you can do or will do or be able to do, uh, willing to do, um, and are your facilities capable of doing that or retrofitting to do that, and, and just understand all the costs and everything before we just say, oh, we're going to build it, let's just start doing it, and then, um, you know, chase our tail afterwards and, and try and figure out how to make it work. Uh, I, I think you'll save yourselves a lot of headaches doing that are the, probably the key ones. And then um, and then if you do get into research, then it's uh, the same thing. Talk to the universities about what things uh, you need to be watching out for. How do I do data collection? What are the details of labor of things that I need to make sure I collect and get collected well? Um, because just setting it up and saying I've got research and then hoping you have good results come out of it. Um, I'd probably say Laura and I could both tell you probably horror stories of some 
some things you hear people doing um, by just one barn versus the other or just a trial that was run uh, incorrectly or, or improperly that actually could cost them a lot of money, uh, unfortunately. And so I think you really need to uh, seek out seek out input and good, good, uh, advice. And I think there's a lot of them at, uh, I know at Iowa state there and Ames and, and other, uh, universities as well, but, um, they can give good advice. So that'd be probably the biggest thing. Very good. It is time to our famous three. Swinet podcast is only possible with the support of forward looking and innovative companies like swine management to the next level cloudfarms.com. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Ivonic, we are sciencing the global food challenge. Healthy Farms by Bioverse, your manure management experts. Genesis is the largest independent producer of high, healthy, registered purebred swine on the globe, having over 80% of all registered purebred breeding stock in Canada. The Genesis genetic program uses genomic selection strategies focused on productivity, Faster growth, efficiency, high yield, and meat quality. To know more, go to Genesis.com. That's G-E-N-E-S-U-S dot com. So as we wrap up, we like to ask our guest speaker a couple of questions. The first question we ask is, um, do you have a swine resource that you would recommend? Um, <laughs> my swine research resource, uh, you know, probably kick me for saying it. And I, uh, was, uh, I, I'd ask Wayne cast, if I ever have questions on things, I call Wayne, um, uh, might cost me something. I don't know what, but, uh, um, not, not very often, usually just, uh, um, but, uh, Wayne cast. And then probably on the, on the other side from, uh, is Dr. Mark Fitzsimmons is probably my go-to from, uh, production medicine questions, flow, um, facility designs, a lot of different things Mark has expertise in and over the years. And, and I worked with him for 30 years and so, and still work with him today, I should say my whole career. So um, those are my two swine resources. And, and I probably, I, and I'm going to put in my plug for Iowa State, Laura, and I apologize. You guys are too easy. You're in my backyard. So I use you guys all the time. So I would say Iowa State for sure. I got Laura. I got Nick. I had John. You know, I got Jason Ross, Lance Baumgart. I mean, you got all kinds of great resources there um, at, at Iowa State. And so um, I, it's in my backyard and I don't give you guys enough credit. I apologize. So uh, great team there at Iowa State too. Yeah, they are a great team. I will give you that. Well, um, the other question I like to ask is really around um, anything that you're reading that's not pig related that you might recommend to the listeners. There's uh, most people, if they went to Iowa Swine Day, uh, was probably uh, may have seen Peter uh, Zion, if I say his name correctly, Zion, um, on the the world is just the beginning. Uh, the end of the world is just the beginning. Sorry. Mapping the collapse of globalization. Um I heard him speak and he's a very dynamic speaker, but in, uh, um, uh, reading his book here, I think that's worth uh, catching some things. And I know at Swine Day, I think we were talking about Laura, that he predicted some things that if they happen would be big, big items. And a couple of them have, uh, occurred in the world stage of stuff. And so I think that's a, a interesting read. I'm not all the way through it. Um, and so, uh, that it's kind of what I'm looking at or reading lately. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've heard that the book is about he's equally dynamic in his book as he is in person. And so that obviously makes it a, a pleasure to read. Good right? read. So you yep. can 
yeah, listen to them and, and hear them in, the, in your own head. That's always a bonus. Well, the last question really kind of focuses a little bit more personal and it's around if there's somebody in your mind's eye that you have defined as successful, what's a trait about them that you think's allowed them to be successful? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And maybe, maybe you pick a mentor or somebody, I guess that, that would be the person that I had. And so, or that, uh, resource was, and, and I would say it was, uh, Dr. Al Lehman was probably my, uh, um, my go-to person and was my boss, uh, at Swine Graphics for several years until unfortunately he passed away in, in France jogging, uh, at the young age of 48 years old, way too young. But, um, Al always had a, um, a knack or a knack. He just, uh, people would come to him. I mean, he just, he had a, a presence about him and I, I tried to understand what was that, that Al had. And, and I think it was, uh, he was a people person. And so, uh, anytime I was with him, um, he would have somebody, a farmer or producer come up and talk to him and Al had been on his farm or the gentleman had seen him at a conference and talked to him and, and Al would remember their name. He, he knew their name. He knew their their wife's name. He knew their kids. He knew what their ages were. Al said, "Oh, how's your son doing?" And uh, I know he's playing football. I think he sprained his ankle. Is he or broke his leg or something? Is he doing good? And just that personality—you just see people light up. Um, and so it is a people industry, a people business. Um, and Al had a way to to bring the best out of the people, and would just uh, show that he cared. And so I think uh, all of us could use more of that in today's world. I think, um, but but Al had a way to do it. And as folks listening might know, the Al uh, Lehman Conference in Minnesota is uh, named after Dr. Al Lehman, my former uh, boss, and uh, just a. a great individual and was my, my mentor. And so, uh, humble, very humble and, uh, uh, but also very people person. And so that'd be my, my take home or my mentor for everybody would be to, um, uh, uh, keep it a people, people industry. And that's what we do. And it's a great industry. That's why I love being in it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a great example of a, of a wonderful mentor. He certainly has done a lot for the swine industry and certainly for the veterinary profession as well. So, Gene, as I mentioned, our time is up. So I I do want to thank you again for your time today. I've greatly appreciated the conversation. You've provided some great information for our producers, especially those who certainly have considered doing research in their facilities and want to better understand how to do that. Again, for our listeners, this is Gene Gorley with Gorley Research Group. So, Gene, again, thank you for your time. Thanks, Laura. Appreciate it. Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of nutrition on this online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding by Dr. Marcio Gonsalves and his world-class invited swine nutritionists. Additionally, you will enjoy an exclusive community to network and exchange ideas. Go now to EliteSwineNutritionist.com.